Hello, and welcome to the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and I'm one of the leading experts in online mediation. I have personally been mediating online for over five years now, and I have my own fully online family law mediation and coaching practice. Two years ago, after so many of my colleagues reached out wanting to know how I was doing it, I created the Learn to Mediate Online training program. And to date, I have personally trained thousands of mediators in how to successfully conduct their mediations through an online platform. As a leading figure in the online mediation movement, I am privileged to be on the cutting edge of developments and advances in online practice. And this podcast has been created to share that information with you. So tune in each week to get the inside story on how to mediate online. I invite you to now listen to today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Susan Guthrie, and today I'm very excited to be bringing you a special guest all the way from Australia. So as I tape this on a, what is today, Thursday afternoon, it's actually Friday morning for him, and I very much appreciate him beaming in from halfway around the world. I did ask him earlier if he knew um, tomorrow's lottery numbers, but he said, no, it doesn't work that way. But uh, so today's, yeah, I wish it did. Um but today's guest is um, the founder of Modron Spaces, M-O-D-R-O-N. His name is Nathan Polito, and I'm excited to bring him because for those of you who listened um, two weeks ago when Simon Bomi was on and we were talking about alternatives to Zoom, we talked about Modron and it, you know, I've gotten a lot of inquiries about it and I know a lot of the people who've taken my training have been asking me for alternatives to Zoom for a lot of reasons, and Nathan and I are going to talk about it. But first, I just want to say thank you so much, Nathan, for giving me the time and my listeners and from beaming in halfway around the world. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. This is great. And you and I were talking just before we started taping here, and we're both you know, in that awkward place a little bit where our businesses are doing quite well because of the, um, or have gotten a, a boost, I would say, or more interest because of, excuse me, the COVID situation. But it's also very exciting and really it, not from the success of the business, but I think for you and for me as well, it's exciting to see professionals embracing online platforms and online dispute resolution and and how well it's working for many of them. So I know that you you're not brand new to the online dispute resolution space. How long have you been been working in this space? Uh, well we founded Modron seven years ago now and from the beginning we had a vision to try and find a way to help resolve the world's disputes, which was obviously a pretty ambitious one. And we realized really early on that we would have to leverage technology to make any kind of meaningful impact. So our journey has been pretty focused the whole time. We've been um, trying to develop the best platform we could for online dispute resolution. Along the way, there's been so many different learnings and um, we're actually early this year just released our second generation platform, which was a ground up rebuild. So we've been in this space and I, it's it's hard to remember anything before to be honest but um, it's certainly really interesting times because um, you know I, you and I were saying it initially um, it was 
difficult to grapple with the concept of capitalizing or, or doing well, as you said, out of a difficult situation, but um, kind of made peace with that, just realizing there's nothing really, really we can do about it, except we can help this, this part of the sector and these and people involved. So just focusing on that and, you know, it's really interesting times. There's, there's a lot of development happening and um, it's definitely unprecedented. Yeah, I feel like things, you know, you and I spoke for the first time. I don't even rem- know if COVID quarantining had started when we spoke last time. No, I don't believe it had. No. Yeah, I think it was, you know, so we were back in the old world. <laughs> Yes. And we talked and I was excited about your product, you know, your, your platform then. Um, and then we hit what, you know, just the last, what, five weeks or so, six weeks or so. And everything has gone really into overdrive. Um, I always say when I've talked about online dispute resolution for the past few years, I've always said the future of online dispute resolution is online. And sure. I think we're way past the future, I think. The future is now. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you, I've trained oh, just over 10,000 people just in the last month or so since you and I last met. And yeah. well, and I get excited about that because that means people want to train, they want to do it well. Um, and I get a lot of very positive feedback about this new, you know, new things can be hard. And um, I but in by by and large, I'm hearing very positive things. But I will say, Lately, the number one question that I am getting from all the people I've trained to people I talk to when I get interviewed is, what are the alternatives to Zoom? And they have many different reasons why Zoom isn't working for them, but they they need alternatives. And I think there's something very exciting about platforms like yours that have been created you know, I didn't even realize seven years. That's incredible. You've been working on this for seven years, specific to dispute resolution. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like dispute resolution for dispute resolution professionals. So there's something very exciting about that, that that's always been your approach, as opposed to the the bigger platforms that are really just meeting, you know, centered for all yeah. kinds of meetings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the first thing I'd say is I don't have anything bad to say about the the large platforms, you know, the video conferencing and, and collaboration platforms. They're all great in their own way. And it's really just the use case they were designed for. So, you know, the one that's got the most traction is is Zoom. And it's, it's a great solution for connecting people really quickly and easily to have a video call. Um, it wasn't designed for sharing secrets and it, and. and to some extent, you can't blame them for people wanting to use it that way, you know. So, um, yeah, I think really the fundamental differences come down to why the platform was developed or why the different platforms were developed and the use case they had in mind. And and in, in our um, situation, we've had a very focused use case from the beginning, as you said. And so um, everything we do has been designed for, for this target market and for dispute resolution. So um, hopefully that that um, is recognized in the way the platform works and, and the tools and the feature sets that we, we offer. So um, I think that's the key difference. And then, and then within that, uh, you know, a big part of the discussions in the space and a lot of the questions we are getting around security as well. And so um, probably this does go back to the use case of platforms designed for. So when you do have secure onboarding and, and, and security measures 
it is a double-edged sword. It, it can make it not as quick and easy to connect. And so, um, you know, that's where the fundamental differences start to appear. So, again, we, we, we specifically designed something so that you can share secrets and, and have confidential discussions. So everything in the platform had that in mind from the beginning. So, um, you know, uh, again, I don't have anything bad to say about the video conferencing platforms, but I do see the market... Well, I anticipate the market will mature. It's happening so quickly. All of a sudden, there is a really defined market. And uh, I think the first box to tick was I need to see my clients and you know be able to talk, box ticked. But then as the market matures, I think some deeper questions start to emerge about, well, well what else in the dispute resolution process can I do? And can I do it in an integrated way? And that's really interesting because I think... Um, well, we, we've certainly identified a number of other tools and, and approaches to dispute resolution that are in a more end-to-end uh, view and approach. So I, I anticipate the market is going to mature and, and, and be looking for a more integrated solution, perhaps. I, I agree with that 100%. I do think as people, and, and we mentioned this actually just before we started taping, um, is that one of the things that I think will come out of the COVID era, as, as I call it, um, will be that even when we go back to normal, I guess we could call it, it won't be the normal of before COVID. It's going yeah. to be a new normal. And for dispute resolution, I very much think it's going to now include a much broader acceptance of online dispute resolution as well as just dispute resolution. I think there's going to be a boost of practitioners entering the field that might not have been doing that beforehand because I think demand will go up since the court system is going to be so overloaded. So as people are looking to establish themselves, as we always are as professionals, is what makes us special, what makes us uh, very good at what we do, Mastery of more than one platform could certainly be included in that. You know, there's no reason why you have to have one platform you use and that's the only thing you offer to your clients. In fact, I think mastery of more than one platform should actually be a requirement um, so that your clients have choices, right? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think, um, again, that's part of the the market maturing and it's going to be really interesting to see what um you know is considered best practice in the space in, in the coming months and and even years ahead and just going back i think that you made a really interesting point about dispute resolution as a sector as a as a practice maybe having its moment to reach its full potential here so um obviously the courts around the world have were already overburdened and and, and struggling at some level and on the other side of this they're they're going to have pretty unprecedented challenges with the backlog of cases and everything else. So I think um, everyone related to the ADR sectors always known how powerful it could be and and the high potential it had. But to be honest, it's been pretty dramatically underperforming from where it could be. And so I think the probably the biggest silver lining of, of all of this in this in this space could be that dispute resolution as a whole really takes uh, a front seat in in the scene and could remove the unnecessary burden of the courts and really improve the whole situation for, for communities around the world. So I think um, putting aside technology and platforms, I'm really excited about that 
perhaps really dramatic shift in how things are done, which is could be really cool. Yeah, I, I, I think that we are positioned now. Um, it's hard to change things, I think, in any industry, but certainly law and related fields. Um, my experience of my colleagues and myself is that we are we do things the way we've always done them, and we're very resistant to change. And so one thing that COVID's done is jarred us loose by with no choice but to experience or try new avenues and pathways. And I think what's been exciting is most people who are trying online dispute resolution, who are mediating online, who are doing arbitrations online, who are just moving into that platform or trying something new, the only feedback I've been getting, honestly, has been overwhelmingly positive as to the experience, both from the practitioners and I think very importantly by the clients. The clients yeah, sure. are really enjoying the benefits that you and I both know exist, but you know are not what drove most practitioners right now online. It was necessity that drove them online. But things like ease of scheduling, things like um, you know that people can be almost anywhere, that they can be in a more comfortable and and supportive setting. I mean, there's just a myriad of benefits that go expanding your client base. You don't have to Which just work with clients point. who, right? You and I are talking. You're in Australia. I'm in Chicago, right? Where um, you don't, you can work with people almost anywhere and you can expand what you can do. So I think having this, the facility to be able to start working with people and, and maybe you, you know, maybe you have a thought on this. I think the fact that everyone's at home working remotely right now is also going to add to the acceptance of online dispute resolution and everything online. Um, I think the oh. world has moved online suddenly. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Um, you know, uh, everyone it, it has had to embrace this new norm, uh, remote working and, and connecting digitally. So the flow-on effects of that are, are definitely going to be strong and, and lasting, I'd imagine. So it's it's really a generational shift, perhaps, in, in the way a lot of businesses, not just this sector, are going to be conducting themselves. And, um, you know, we've been hearing reports at a really high level about large enterprises um, anticipating they're not going to be maintaining physical premises at, you know, quite a dramatic change. And and so remote work um, across the world is going to surely have a huge increase. And then, you know, within that, um, probably analogous to, you know, in the earlier days of the internet when people were really wary about internet banking and things like that, for example, and then, you know, it reached a critical mass and these days you see less and less people in a, in a bank and it's... I know, can't remember the last time I went to one. Exactly. So, <laughs> or a money machine. You yeah, just don't exactly. need money anymore. Yeah. So I think um, humans are really good at adapting and, and I imagine that um, huge parts of work and life are going to move into a more connected, the digital way, including this space. So... I mean, it's, it's really interesting times, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to see a lot out of this. Um, so l let's talk about your the platform itself, because we were talking earlier and you mentioned security, and that yeah. is a huge issue. I know it's one of the pain points when I do trainings. Um, that is one of the you know big questions for people. How can you maintain privacy and confidentiality in an online platform? So tell me about Modern's you know security features. 
Sure. Well, there's probably two categories around security and, and confidentiality as I see them. There's the structure of a platform, the way it actually works, and then there's the technical aspect. So I speak to the, the structure of the platform first. So um, again, I've already mentioned that the platform was specifically designed to share secrets and, and communicate confidentially. So in the first instance, all the users are securely onboarded and you know with a password and, and specific access. Uh, then those users are specifically attached to a case and so that their access is limited to that case specifically. And then within cases, we have a, a concept of spaces, um, the name of the platform. So we think it's a really important concept. And you could think of spaces as rooms or, or places where you can create them for any reason and decide who has access to them. And then within each space, you can use all the communication and collaboration tools. So each space also has its own privacy and confidentiality controls as well. So there's three main levels of security and confidentiality controls in the platform that are kind of unique and work together. And then there's also the technical um, aspects to security. So these used to be quite esoteric terms, but I, I get the feeling that the, the market has quickly come um, to terms with them. So um, we basically encrypt everything. Um, video, for example, is 128-bit encryption end-to-end. Um, all the file sharing communications is 256-bit encryption um, in transit and at rest. Um, we leverage AWS, Amazon Web Services for our cloud storage infrastructure. They're the largest um, provider in the world and uh, our particular setup is would be considered a military-grade um, secure cloud storage infrastructure. We can also specify data sovereignty around the world, meaning that if you're operating out of the UK, you can specify that your data stays on UK data centers and isn't you know, bouncing around from China to US and, 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 and everywhere else, which is really important, especially in government. But I think as well, individual practitioners are, are realizing that that's important also. Um, so, you know, they're, they're the kind of headline security features, but then, you know, we're also continually having um, the platform tested, um, you know, independent cybersecurity firms are doing security tests and vulnerability tests, and um, it's a continual work in progress. So we've invested really heavily in security. Um, you know, we had some pretty key hires uh, over the years um, from the banks and, you know, um, CTOs of banks and, and, and other institutions, and, and we'd consider our security to be at, at that level or better. So, um, it's, it's probably our number one focus, and, and it always has been. It's not a reaction to what we're seeing. It's from, from the beginning. We knew that that was important for us and our, and our market. Um, yeah, so, so we take it really seriously. Well, and I think that's an interesting point for the, my listeners who um, you know may not understand in tech creation, I'm going to call, call it, when something has been built from the ground up, with an overall view to security being a priority. That means at every level that has been taken into consideration and the utmost you know, privacy and confidentiality has been built into the platform um, as you've gone along. Whereas, and, and I, you know, just Zoom happens to be the one that's catching a lot of 
comment right now. They're adding security on top and, and adding measures, and I commend them for everything they're doing. They've been working very hard. But there is a difference between a platform that's been created from the bottom up with security in mind and one that's adding it. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think that's that's really accurate. Um, so, you know, we, we can mention the headline kind of components of security, but on the day-to-day, um, almost every decision, you have a choice about, um, you know, path of least resistance or doing what's best for security and privacy and confidentially within the code, within the development. And so it's really got to be baked into the culture of um, the company and the development team because, um, again, there's these tech check boxes that um, you know you can you can tick off, but really it's thousands of individual choices and and, and decision paths that you go down that will ultimately um, you know represent in your total security um, system. So um, I, I do think the use case of platforms designed for is key because any any serious tech company understands. Um, you know, the, the, the basic security measures you should be undertaking. Um, again, encryption, tick a box, um, secure storage, tick a box. But it's really in the code. It's it's in those minute decisions every day that developers make. And, and, and you know, that's where it really, really matters. So, it, again, it has to be in the culture from the beginning. Yeah. And I've always, you know, just anytime I've talked to anyone who's developed an app or a developed program to go backwards and try and change things down the chain is almost impossible um to to change right so if you're building from the bottom up tech wise that's one thing and and depending on the level of of um you know the build out sometimes it's easier to add things on or not sometimes if there if it's been done in a not very you know, adaptive type of way, it can be even hard to add layers of changes down the road. So I know that this is an issue all the way around. So hearing that something is, has been built from the ground up for security, um, I think will give a lot of my listeners, you know, a little peace of mind on that end of things. Um, Well, I'm not sure if it's interesting, but just, just quickly on our journey. So the first five years we were developing our first generation platform and we're in a continual feedback and improvement cycle with partners in the industry, largely government and enterprise. And then over that period, there were so many learnings and we we reached a point where we were facing a difficult decision where we saw an opportunity to do a ground up rebuild um, and address everything that we'd learned and, you know, the ideas we had for something, something new. And that was a really difficult decision, as you could imagine, you know, investing five years and and everything else in, and in basically starting over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we ended up going down that path and, um, you know, that in itself, um, having all the learnings from that first generation and then having the opportunity to do a ground up rebuild again, um, with security being number one, ease of use, you know, um, flexibility being baked into what we were doing in hindsight, it was a great thing to do because, um, you know, if we'd continued with the first gen platform, we'd have a good product, but it wouldn't be what we had today. Right. Well, and that sort of goes to what we were both just saying right there, right? When you when you build it from the ground up, and that, that's the beauty of your gen too, is that it was built with all that feedback. Um, and that's yeah. something Simon mentioned in the the prior episode. Um, I'd love your your input. He said that one of the beautiful things about the the 
Modrons and and you and the the tech the people who are in tech building for dispute resolution, you're very open to feedback. You want uh, to yeah. hear from practitioners that what they need. And I know I got that from you when you and I spoke the first time I mentioned a couple of things and yeah. we'll talk about them. There are things you're actually working on adding into your platform, which yeah. is exciting. Um, you're not necessarily going to pick up the phone and get someone at Cisco on the phone to talk about what changes I think they should be making to WebEx or something like sure. that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, we, I mean, that's how we live. Uh, we're not subject matter experts, so you could think of us as a software development company. So hopefully what we do a decent job of is listening to the many partners and advisors that we're fortunate to have in the industry. And without their constant feedback, ideas and suggestions, uh, we never would have got here. So um, that's a huge part of our existence now and in, into the future. So um, there's probably nothing we value more than, than feedback from the industry. And we really try to continually incorporate that. Um, you, you probably imagine our, our roadmap is really quite extensive. And and I saying a lot lately, I wish I could stop time so that we could, um, you know, get get through everything. But we're we're doing the best we can, and, and we're going through a significant scale up in the near future as well. So features will continue to roll out faster and faster as we go. But um, yeah, to your point, it we're really open to the feedback and in fact we 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 wouldn't exist without it so it's vital and i think that should be exciting to practitioners because um, it gives us all that ability to have some feedback have some input into the platform we might choose to be working with to help us make it maybe even better for for all of us and that's that's a really significant factor um now, I can't, I know that I've got listeners out there right now going, but what about breakout rooms? But what about breakout rooms? Sure, that sure. is such a, you know, such an important factor. So tell me, I don't think you call them breakout rooms, but tell me about your equivalent of rooms for people to caucus in. Let's just call it caucus rooms. Sure. I mean, if there's one thing that's clear that, that this newly defined market, that's the number one thing that everyone cares most about. So it's really interesting. Um so our concept of spaces in the platform, these, these kind of really flexible rooms and spaces you can create for, for different streams of communication and managing confidentiality and privacy uh, are a core um, concept in the platform. And then on top of that, you can have concurrent video calls going on in any of the spaces and you're able to move between them, um, which is our, I guess, our version of a breakout room functionality. Um, what I'm really excited about is um, we have a really significant update to our whole video conferencing functionality that we're calling Space Calls. Um, and I kind of like the name. And I was going to say, uh, it makes me think I'm calling moon, the moon or something. <laughs> yeah, we might have a bit of fun with the branding about that. Yeah, be we'll be looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was actually testing this morning um, and I'm so excited to release it. It's just so simple to use, really streamlined, um, you know, we, we had the benefit of having thousands of cases being processed in, in recent times. And so, you know, with the data and the feedback, we quickly learn what works, what can be improved and, and you know, what to work on next. So um, we saw a real opportunity here to streamline things. Overwhelmingly, the feedback is we need breakout room type functionality. And um, I may be a little biased, but I think we've nailed it with space calls, I think, you know, it was designed specifically with mediators in mind 
and the types of processes that they um, work on and really excited to release that. So we're just in the next couple of days, that will be live for all of our users. And, um, you know, we'll also be releasing some communications about that so that you can um, find out more. But um, tremendously excited about that. That 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 will excite people who are listening because I do know. I mean, that is really, except for the rare case mediator who only works in joint session, um, the breakout rooms are having that ability and uh, to easily move between separate space, private spaces. I yeah. think will be something that will draw people to immediately go look. Um, at your platform, but I know you had, you mentioned you had another couple of, of items in the pipeline that I also think will be of interest that will be coming out not too much further down the road. Yeah. And, and one of them, um, I recall you specifically <laughs> nudged us about, and, and that's the screen sharing functionality. So um, we will be releasing that shortly after space calls. So kind of in a week or two week type time period. Um, and that will be next. And then uh, following that, we're going to be releasing uh, new subscription options. So we'll have three tiers of subscription plans. So we'll have professional spaces, business spaces, and enterprise spaces. Now, um, forgive uh, listeners from around the world, but all the pricing is in Australian dollars and, and in my head as well at the moment. So um, <laughs> the prof professional spaces will start at 49 Australian dollars per month. Uh, business will be 149 and enterprise will be 299. Now, the way we've created the professional spaces plan is that we imagine will be the perfect solution for mediators, um, especially sole operators, um, small companies. Uh, it's really designed to be the perfect offering for them. And then, you know, government departments, enterprise um, clients will probably benefit from looking at business and enterprise uh, plans. But we'll be releasing a lot more detail about that in the coming weeks, and it will actually be available probably in about two weeks. Um, all our existing users will be able to, you know, switch between the plans at any time. It's all month to month. So um, that's another thing we, we were hearing a lot about is, is flexibility in price, in price and in ways to access the platform. So also really excited about that. And then beyond that, um, just such a long list of improvements and features we're excited to get out. It, it, uh, I could take up a lot of time going through it all. Well, it, I, but I think that's exciting and, and it's based upon the feedback you're getting, right? I mean, these, yeah. uh, these, so it goes right back to what you and I were talking about just a minute ago. Um, the the share, screen share is something that I did mention to you that I think U.S. mediators at least will find to be very exciting because we do yeah. so much of it. Um, yeah. And I just want to point out, because I did the math or I, my, my phone did the math. Um, so the pro account at 49 Australian is 3185 so it's $32 a month for your average practitioner, monthly practitioner. The business at $149 Australian is $96.84 and enterprise at $299 is $194. So your Thank pricing is, is really, you know, affordable and in there and having some experience of some of your, uh, the other competitors in the area, you're, you're either less or right in the space of what that is. And, you know, what, one thing I've always pointed out to my trainees is we are professionals. 
We are wanting to put on a professional experience for clients. And if that means that we have to spend a little money on programs, um, then that is something that we should be considering. But I still think having, you know, the best platform that works best for you and for your clients is worth paying for. Um, These free accounts, I have mediators, it makes my head explode, who are using free accounts um, on some platforms and, you know, like the, the time will cut off cause it has a time limit on how long the meeting can go on and there, you know, I'm like, unless you can mediate in 40 minutes, you can't have a free account people. Sure. <laughs> hey, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. I think, um, I think it's a, it's a business investment, which is always much easier to justify. It's, it's not a luxury or a, you know, nice to have. So I think that's just part of the market, um, maturing and, and coming to terms with the new norm and, um, you know, the realization that smart investments are, are going to offer a return on investment um, are pretty obvious. So I think that will will play out in the market. Yeah. Now, one uh, quick question, because I forgot to ask this when we were talking about the separate rooms, the private yes. caucus rooms. Yeah. Um, do, is there a function like a door knock or a ding dong doorbell before you enter into one of the private rooms to go talk to people? It's a really good question. So, I mean, we, we've considered an actual doorbell. Um, <laughs> Ding dong. Function. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's, two, there's two pathways we're looking at at the moment that the first already exists, which um, seem to work quite well. So um, this is always easier to demonstrate visually. But if you're on a call in a joint session in one of the spaces, for example, you can you know, click into one of the other spaces without leaving the call and use all the tools in that space. So you could jump into the private space you've set up for party A and you could say, you know, hey, I think we should tone down the rhetoric. It's inflaming the situation without leaving that call. So in the same way, you can um, move between different spaces and, and, and just use the messaging function. Hi, I'm you know, free to rejoin the call if you're okay. And, and they'll say, yep, that's fine. And you join the call. So that, that's something we've seen in practice working quite well. But in space calls as well, we're, we're initially having a kind of a three-second countdown when someone joins so that you'll have a notification that, you know, one, two, three, that person will be joining. Here comes Susan. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so everyone will go quiet. But I think, um, you know, we're, we're going to wait and see uh, again for the feedback and the data and if another level of, um, doorbell type functionality is required, then we'll implement it. But, okay. Uh, Both yeah. those sound great, honestly. You know, that's the, um, right now I'm texting people before I go from one breakout room to another. So I think sure. that that will be very exciting to people. Just the idea that the chat function or the messaging function works, that you don't even have to leave one room to go have a chat or with the other room. So it's very exciting. Some of the, all of the things that you're telling us about, I know that people are going to want to come and check out Modern Spaces. How, where can they find you? How do they get more information? Um, tell us, tell us more. Sure. So we offer a 14 day free trial on spaces. So no credit card required. I'd, I'd recommend that as a good starting point. Um, we can be found at www.modron.com. Uh, you can sign up for the trial there and, and learn more about spaces. Um, but also feel free if you have any questions to reach out through the website or uh, I'm not sure if I'll regret this, but my email is nathan at modron.com. So feel free to, to shoot me a question or, you know, if you want to have a discussion or a demo, I'm sure we could schedule that as well. 
so they're probably the, the first starting points. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll be releasing a lot more information about the new features and the new um, subscription options we mentioned in the coming weeks as well. Well, that's wonderful. I'm going to put all of that information in the show notes. So for listeners, and also I just want to note, this show is being taped just a couple of days before it's going to go live. So all of the time frames that we are talking about, this show is going to go live on, I'm just looking at my calendar here. It's going to go live on Monday, May 4th. That's when you'll all be listening to this. So we're taping this on April 30th. So all of these dates and all these releases that Nathan is talking about are, are imminent um, and happening. So be on the lookout, checking out the website, um, www.modron.com. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks, Susan. Yeah. I think Space Wars will be live by the time anyone's listening to this, which is great. I can't wait to go check it out. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this, Nathan. I very much appreciate it. And I know my listeners do as well. Likewise, Susan. I I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Perfect. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, and if you liked this episode, please give me a five-star rating and tell me what you did like in a review. Join me each Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. to hear another episode, and be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss one. Send me your questions and comments at susan at learntomediateonline.com, and you can find out more about my trainings and programs at learntomediateonline.com. I'll see you next week.